Radio TFS, episode number 96. This is Greg Duncan. And this is Martin Woodward. Hey, Martin. We're back, dude. Two weeks. We're like, our cadence is... Clockwork ever looking... since you took over the editing. Have you noticed that? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, visual studio rollout cadence, you right. know? It, it's like... I had wow. to do that as well, so there we are. So that's good. <laughs> I was in uh, Redmond last week. I'm uh, just, just about getting over the jet lag as we speak right now. I was in uh, over visiting the team and things, so it's, it's always good to get over there and see everybody, but uh, it's also good to get back and see family. So, yep. You know, one news item that we didn't talk about that was hot for today that's not in our list is the MVP Summit. Uh, ah. Registrations opened like uh, three hours ago. So are you going to go to the MVP Summit this year? I've signed up for it. I'm staying at the Hyatt Regency Bellevue, so I'll be there at the, at the main venue this time as opposed to the Sheraton, which was like forever a huge walk away. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, I'm signed up for it. I'm, I'm very excited. I know a bunch of the ALMers, um, MVPs are also – everybody's like, Hyatt, Hyatt. Hyatt, Hyatt. It was all very exciting. Cool. Well, I'll be, so, I, I should be there as well. So uh, hopefully we'll see you and see some of the other, see some listeners there and see some of the other former um, co-hosts and guests as well, hopefully, while we're out. <laughs> so today, as, as we try to do, you know, we do a new show and an interview show. Today we have Aaron Bjork, and I'm going to give you guys his um, official biography from the Channel 9 Speaker Notes. Let, let's see if I can get this done right. I've only practiced this for like three hours. <laughs> And I've been practicing his name. I actually went to pronouncenames.com to make sure it's, I, I pronounced it right. So Aaron Bjork is a principal group program manager working on Team Foundation Server and Visual Studio Online. He's responsible for work item tracking, reporting, calibration, and all agile experiences. Prior to joining Team Foundation Server in 2008, Aaron worked as a software engineer and development lead in Visual Studio. Aaron is passionate about application lifecycle management solutions and has a strong desire to see teams improve their software engineering practices. Aaron holds a Bachelor of Business Administration from the University of Washington and is an avid golfer, hobby farmer, which is cool, and loves spending time with his wife and three kids. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Hey, thanks, Greg. Great to be here. Now, when so we say a, sorry, when we say avid golfer as well, it's probably worth saying you could have probably made a profession out of golfing, but definitely not a profession out of farming. Is that about right? Yeah, I, I think you're being too kind. Uh, I don't know that I could have made a profession out of, of golfing. I wish I could have made a profession out of golfing, <laughs> but uh, yeah, not quite. So, what does a hobby farmer do? What does that mean? Oh, uh, it basically means that my wife collects animals and I build structures for them to live in. That's essentially ah. what it means. But uh, the, the short, long story is that three years ago, we moved uh, to a town called Maple Valley, which is south of Redmond here in the greater Seattle area. And we bought a place that had 15 acres and a barn. And um, we've been, uh, yeah, like I said, sort of collecting animals. We got a couple horses, a couple goats, 15 chickens. And uh, we've been having fun sort of rehabbing the place and and uh, working outside and getting our hands dirty. So that's awesome. Kind of a TFS uh, tradition as well, isn't it? Really? It is that's kind of a say. TFS tradition. That's right. It, isn't it Brian who's got the farm? Brian Harry? Bri who's got the farm? Brian has the farm. Brian has a, a big farm. And uh, I have a small farm. And then even Martin has a, a nice little crop of land as well. So uh, yeah, it does one in the family. I, I'm, I'm more of a small holding than a farm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I spent, uh, I had a couple of days off on vacation there. Like, it's sort of last few days of uh, summer before the kids go back to school. And I spent um, yeah, a good good amount of that time building an electric fence, which is nothing more satisfying than building something which electrocutes cows trying to eat your hedge. You know, it's, uh, it's great fun. And it works. It's brilliant. Always amazing when things like that work. 
What could possibly go wrong with 2,000 volts, eh? (laughs) It's fun. I always have fun warning people when they come over whether or not the electric fence is on. And, uh, yeah, it's it's not that bad, but it'll wait. Cool. So, hey, Greg, should we we do the news and then we'll go ask Aaron some questions? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a plan. So, uh, we've been, uh, you've you've been busy shipping stuff as ever, Aaron. You guys didn't take a break over the summer. So, the the first up is uh, the August um, update that went out to VSO. And then there's a bunch of improvements around um, uh, sprint planning. Uh, so do you want to talk us through some of the sprint planning stuff that's just gone out the door? Yeah, sure. This uh, this is all stuff that's kind of rolling out this week. I think uh, we just published the release notes for it yesterday, but we've got a, a couple of nice kind of usability features. The first is we've got, um, if you've watched any of the progress we've been making in our Kanban boards, you can now rename columns in place. And so we're just trying to add new capabilities there where you can do a lot of the stuff directly from the board without having to jump into configuration dialogues. So that was a Nice little usability feature. And then um, on the kind of sprint planning execution side, we had two new features. One, we we added a feature that allows you to sort of specifically choose um, users that you're going to use in your capacity planning. And before that was team-based and it was kind of only available for the the members of your team. And now you can sort of pull in people that are outside your team and uh, be a little bit more organic about it, if you will. And we had a lot of people asking for that. Um, and then finally, we we just made a tweak to our burndown chart where uh, we added a new trend line that gives you what we call available capacity as well. So you can now see your remaining work. You can see sort of the ideal trend. And then you get a new trend line, which shows you um, how your capacity lays out over that. So it kind of takes the the information from the previous thing that we were just talking about and, and gives you an idea of whether or not you've even got enough manpower to get the work done in the time remaining. So does that available capacity... How does that, what does that do around the weekend? Or has that gone away now as a problem? uh, It's, you know, it's in the team's control. So one of the settings that you have for every team is you choose your working days. So uh, by default, we turn Saturday and Sunday off, but we allow you to uh, sort of configure that yourself. So if you take long weekends, you could take, you could turn Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off. Or uh, if you work in a different time zone, you could turn a different day off. So it's completely within your control. Cool. And then also we um, shipped um, the build analysis tasks um, for the build V next um, around the Sonar Cube stuff. And uh, just basically being able to, you know, do a Sonar Cube analysis. And it triggers it off their MS build and then publish the results back. Um, uh, there's a, there was a good post over on the, uh, the VSALA. Um, uh, post from Jean Jean Marc. Didn't we cover that one last show? Did we, Greg? I think about the build Sona Cube. I remember talking about it. Yeah, we've talked about this quite a bit. We'll so double it's... check, but um, we should probably yeah. get we'll get Jean Marc on at some point. But uh, and some of those guys. But yeah, so if you're if you're getting interested in the Sona Cube stuff, then running it from the build on uh, then from build automation is getting easier and easier every day. And uh, speaking of updates as well, we did the. Um, the Visual Studio 2012 Update 5. Now, the only I'm completely you know better than me, guys. The only thing I know about this one was compat was like forward compatibility with uh, Team Project Rename in TFS 2015. Is there was there anything else? Do you know, do you guys know about? Uh, they fixed some. Uh, there's a team re- rename and just a few things that were fixed, like in the Source Control Explorer, the branch operation causes causes an error and was not completed. Just little things like that. But the the key was is that you know we mentioned the CTP in the past, but now it's RTM'd. Okay. Yeah, cool. that's right. I think that's pretty typical of uh, when we have the the 
the update that goes uh, sort of uh, aligns with the RTM of the new product. It's usually sort of back compat or forward compat, if you will, making sure all those, the new stuff works and then uh, lots of bug fixes. So Awesome. Another thing, um, we've talked about these guys in the past, the smart office for TFS and integrate for TFS. Um, I think, Martin, didn't you say you've like met with them before or talked with them? Oh, yeah. I mean, and if you need sort of um... – you know traditional formal requirements management stuff then this is kind of the partner to look at um you've got integration with word and excel and even visio you know for for turning artifacts in those office documents into um work items and things so you can track them as formal requirements so yeah the right. the, the smart word for tfs is that is one that a lot of people will be interested in that you know when you have to go through and you you get sent an rfp and then you have to turn the rfp into work items and blah 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 and you know all that stuff that what makes me want to shoot myself is all the stuff i used to have to do for a job well they've got a solution which helps you do that and kind of keep those links in place and then when when the word documents change you know make sure all that works still so it's all good stuff so the the big news is that now they're all available to Visual Studio Enterprise MSDN users. Wow, that's awesome. That's the big news. So yeah, they do that? I never managed before, to do that when I was at Team but, That's annoying. Well, that's brilliant. Yeah. Working wow. with eDev Tech, they're all available. You can see it. We'll include the links in the show notes, but uh, www.modernrequirements.com. And you um, access the benefit by clicking on the link located on the MSDN My Account page. So that's, I mean, yeah, if, if you've got that MSDN, I love MSDN, love it. Um, enterprise subscription, you get this stuff free. I just wish I could use it more. Because everybody sad. in your office had MSDN as well. That would be great. <laughs> Actually, we are. Um, my development team is growing. We're absorbing some uh, uh, super business users who've been writing code using like you know express editions and wow. we're absorbing them into the development team, turning them real. Just got an email like 12 seconds ago that their MSDN enterprise subscription came through. So that's good to see. That's amazing. Yeah, wow, that's brilliant. Hey, and just one other update that came out was the um the TFS uh, 2013. There was there's been a an, an update to the RTM of that version. And there was a um in certain obscure cases again. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but it was remember it was update four contains um something that could cause a data loss in certain cases and so they fixed it in update five it was quite a minor tweak but it wasn't you know basically if you're running update four of tfs 2013 then no, you should probably no. upgrade to update five is that wrong nope nope that's wrong okay there um, we go. if you if you've got rtm get this kb get this fixed if you're running update two you should upgrade to update four to resolve the issue Huh. Okay. So this is an update. This is patching the thing that was fixed in update four, but for the people who are on RTM. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. No, actually, I had to read this like 12 times. Now, this, the one thing that we've got here is if you're running RTM. If you're okay. running 2013 RTM and you want to stay there. And you don't want to go to update four. Because you Correct. Okay. If you're running update two, the suggestion is upgrade to update four to fix it. So there, there, there's two right. things. If you're on RTM, apply this. If you're on update two, uh, uh, go to update four at least. Okay. And that's and, with, is this to do with like long-term support cycles, Aaron? Is that why we did that patch to RTM? Because we, we support that one for 10 and 5 and 5 or whatever. 
You know what? What you say, Martin, sounds good. So I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think now. I think what I remember again. It's been a while since I was involved in those discussions. I think it was seen like we support the RTM version for five and five, and then once you're on the update cycle, it's like the latest update is the one that's supported. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I if, if there's a problem in update two, then the fix is to upgrade to update four. Um, but yeah. for RTM, we will, in certain rare circumstances where there's cases of things like data loss, then we'll go back and port them to RTM. But we won't go and add new features to RTM because that's called update five or update yeah, four. Right. Or yeah. Okay, there we go. So Cool. Yeah, and the other one is uh, um, there's also a patch for TFS 2012 update four. So there's no TFS 2012 update five, but there is a potential issue in update four. So that's where this fix comes into play. You know what? Just upgrade to TFS 2015. It's the easiest way. <laughs> and then you get loads and grace features. I know that's easy to say, but you know, here we go. That'd be my advice. Greg, do you want to do the, uh, should, we, should we do the ad now and then jump into the interview? Um, yeah, that way we don't have to break it up. Yeah, let's I, do I that. It's... Cool. Do you want me to do it or are you going to do it? That's your turn. Cool. There we go. Well, uh, it's my pleasure because episode 96 of Radio TFS is brought to you by SAS Made Easy, a leader in hosted TFS, dedicated virtual servers, and TFS ALM consulting. You can reach them at www.sasmadeeasy.com or email sales at sasmadeeasy.com. That's S-A-A-S-M-A-D-E-E-A-S-Y.com. And before we go back to the show, just say I got my uh, my bill for my hosted stuff with SAS Made Easy just today. It's always a pleasure to pay it. So uh, thanks to Paul and the team over at SAS Made Easy for helping us send out the show. And now back to the show. Aaron, welcome. Yes. It's great to have you on finally after 96 episodes. <laughs> I know. I, I, was, I was starting to feel like... Um... You know, you had a grudge against me or something, Martin. But it's good to be here. So I had uh, while I was out in Redmond, I was I started talking to Brian that maybe we'll get him on for episode 100 or something, or maybe get him on in April next year because we're we're nearly at a 10 year anniversary. Would you believe? Wow, that is hard to believe. Uh huh. So, Aaron, yes. What I, I always have to do this. You know, it's my, my the whole office space kind of quote thing. What is it you say you do here? <laughs> what is a day in the life of, of Aaron Bjork? Oh boy. Um, you know, I often describe my job as, uh, you know, you can talk about titles, you can talk about roles, but if you think about work item track and the work item tracking, the agile space, that's, that's kind of my baby. That's where I live. But if you think about what I do, I tell people that I, I do a lot of talking to customers. So I really listen to what customers are asking for, what they want out of the product. So I think that's the first part of my job. I think the second part of my job is to make sure we're building them something that they need. So I have to do the differentiation between wants and needs and what we're designing for what they need better be something we can sell, you know, and better be something that makes sense for our business. So I think that's part two. And then part three is really uh, doing a lot of apologizing for everything we're not doing. And the only reason I say that is because, as you know, the, you know our backlogs are long and it's just uh, it's impossible to get to everything. And so a good portion of my job is just spent, um, you know, saying I'm sorry and uh, it's on the backlog and we're going to get to it. And that's partly a joke, but, you know, it, it, it's a real part of the job sometimes as well. It's trying to it's trying to understand you know the customer's priority for something and and rationalize that with the the global priority for that thing versus you know how what it actually does to take the product forwards and it's it's really hard it's the hardest bit of a job is saying no I always find 
It is, it is. And I think, but it's, it's, uh, you know, I think there's a great saying out there that, you know, a, a no decision is as good as a yes decision. And, you know, you have to realize that you can't do everything. And so where are you going to spend your dollars and what's going to have really the, the largest impact for customers? I mean, my job mm-hmm. is to make sure that customers are happy and that they love our tools. And I've got to sort of balance the resources and, and make sure we're doing the prioritization right. So it is tough, but I think it's also, it's a lot of fun. It's, um, I love talking to people who are using the product and, and hearing what could be better and, and what they need to um, better their teams and how our tools can help support that. So it is a lot of fun. Cool. So um, when I was out and about and when I go around and talk to people, uh, I still see even today, like lots of people using TFS um, for, for source control capabilities and things. And that's how, that's how Greg uses it at his company, mainly for source control. Mm-hmm. So um, before we dive into some of the, the new stuff, do you want to just, Aaron, recap some of the, the highlights of, you know, what, what TFS and VSO can do for you in terms of work item tracking and, you know, tracking of work and, you know, why, why people should think about using this these features when they should think about using them? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that, you know, I think about work item tracking and, and agile project management and those types of things. It's really, it's about getting everybody in your team on the same page. And um, I think about our tools as being the, the catalyst to help you do that. So, you know, it starts with building a backlog and we've got some great, you know, uh, tools to help you do that, to easily decompose your work, uh, get it in priority order, make some good decisions about it, get it well-groomed. Um, and then it's taking that backlog and, and sort of distributing it across your team and making sure you understand how, what kind of investments you're making um, and then really using that to see how it uh, sort of connects into your code base and through a build and out the other end. And it becomes that uh, sort of the beginning of that end-to-end traceability. So when you are looking at your code and you can look at your commits and your change sets and see what you've changed, uh, when you've got work item tracking, you know, sort of really running for you and really going, you can understand and remember why you changed it and and why that's important. So um, we've got a lot of great capabilities in there uh, from the portfolio level all the way down to the team level. Um, and it's I, I think it's a it's a fun space to work because it's it's one of those uh, parts of the product that helps really bring people together and helps them uh, collaborate more efficiently. I know. I, when, I have to. Sorry, just quickly. I, I know when I when I when I was working once in a consultancy, I remember being in a meeting and this first. 20 minutes, maybe half an hour of the meeting was a discussion about which version of, you know, uh, requirements V6 final final .xls was, was the real version, was the single source <laughs> of the truth, you know? And, uh, it just, uh, and it just wasted so much time on that and then spent so much time, like, hours, most of the week, just trying to keep track of where actually everybody was in those tasks, you know, and trying to get like a prox- as close as I could to where people were up to date. And the, the ability to have all that work in one place, a single source of the truth, and have instant feedback, you know, where everybody was reporting they were on all of those tasks. And then, you know, being able to do that just eliminated a huge amount of what I needed to do as a manager to go track things down. And I can actually focus on, you know, things like managing, you know, getting rid of obstacles, and like seeing where things were slipping and trying to shift resources around and stuff like that. So it was huge when I started using TFS. It was a great feature. So Aaron, I'm going totally off script here. Sure. I have to ask a, a couple questions. Wait, wait. On there, it. There's been a script here. I, I have <laughs> there has. So okay. okay, keep going. Keep going. Um, work item tracking. Do you kind of like feel like the redheaded stepchild compared to version control or? 
you know, because everybody says start TFS and then start with version control and then go I never Minecraft. say that. I say yeah. start with all work items. But anyway, carry yeah. on. Yeah. No, you know, I think um, I think five years ago, maybe yes. I think today, no. And I think when when I talk to customers and when, when we see people adopting the product, they're primarily coming for two reasons. They're coming to um, to manage their work through backlogs and that type of thing. And, and that's obviously my stuff. Or they're coming because they want a place to to store their code. But you know, we see um, everybody that starts with a backlog ends up with code. And, you know, most people that start with code end up with backlogs. So um, I don't. I think there was a time when I think people said TFS and you just thought version control. That's kind of what it is. But I really think um, the perception has really changed. And, and I don't think we feel that any longer. And but, uh, certainly when, again, like you say, when, when adopting TFS, it was always start with the thing that's causing you most pain. So if the thing that's causing you most pain um, is source control, which it used to be, then go with source control. But, you know, with 2015, like the number of people I run into nowadays whose version of source control is storing zip files on a network share has, has reduced dramatically, thankfully. And so the source of <laughs> reduced, pain, not gone away, just reduced. reduced. Yeah, yeah, I hear yeah, you. yeah. But the uh, but but the, the, and nowadays the source of pain is well, what the heck are we working on? You know, like um, what do we need to work on next? What's the most what's what's the highest priority thing for us to work on? And our you know our forgotten uh, such and such is requirements. And my my customers don't have any. The people I'm building stuff for don't have any transparency into what we're actually working on. And so the the levels of trust between the people paying for the work to be done and the people doing the work are, are, are broken down because they don't know what we're working on anymore. So, you know, it's establishing as levels of trust, which is where work I'm tracking is frequently the uh, the solution to most users' pains to start with that and then, then go with work items, then go with builds and look at the other stuff as well. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. And while, you know, like your, your analogy is great where, you know, you used to store, uh, you know, your code in zip files on like file shares, that was source control. I think yeah. it's kind of the same in the project management space where people are, you know, it's not just a bunch of Excel spreadsheets that we hope we remember where we put them or a bunch of sticky notes on a wall. Like, let's put that into VSO or TFS and let's have global access to it. Let's be able to visualize it. Let's be able to see progress and let's use that to keep us all aligned and pointed in the same direction. And, um, you know, we're seeing more and more people want that, need it. And it's really a, a critical part of running a healthy business these days. And that's that was my second question or, or uh, uh, point to bring up in that, uh, you know, TFS from my seat always, like I said before, started with uh, version control and then went to work items. But uh, like you were saying, you know, the starting with the work items is becoming the bigger thing. And in our work, unfortunately, um, I'm not going to go into the third party solution that we're currently using, Jira. <coughs> um, Aaron's very well aware of the third party solution you're using. <laughs> I am. But, um, I know Jira well. I, it's and like I'm, a dagger to his heart every time. I, well, hey, I won't say anything negative about Jira. Jira's a great product. Those guys have done fantastic things. Um, I'd like you to be using our product, but, uh, you know, I hear you. So. Well, part of that was 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 the licensing problems sure. on that because we, you know we, you can get Jira in a sm much smaller just version uh, just work items or issues as they call them you know package so it, uh, you know and rolling it out company wide you know uh, with earlier versions of TFS I, I would have had a concern 
with that, you know, because so much was wrapped into the Visual Studio shell. And I mean, that's obviously changed dramatically in the last couple of versions. But, you know, that's really, you know, what I want to see is that, you know, you're right. I want to run my house. I want to run my business. I want to run uh, Radio TFS. I want to run all these things, all these issues, all these tasks, all this work. You know, I want it organized the the one list to rule them all the companies that create their issue databases there's access databases all over even here they tried to do that and i i, I had to beat them about the head until they bled um you know you just can't do that you, you have to use a system like tfs like vso like jira like github but yeah, you can't let you listeners out there, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you're looking across the office at that guy who's managing that Excel spreadsheet or they're talking about, we need to get these things under control. I can build an app to do that. Don't. You know, you've got to use – there's so much capability built into these tools that you can start using today and and – TFS and VSO are getting so much better on that. If you thought about TFO, uh, TFS for this t five years ago, you need to take another look and have your other people take another look. Look at VSO today for your work tracking, and I think your eyes will be opened. Yeah, I agree. So speaking even of if, taking even another look, sorry, I was gonna say, yeah. Speaking of taking another look, Aaron, what's your, what are your favorite new features in in 2015 yeah. and things? Well, I think uh, in in my space, I think you know I'm I'm really sort of excited and proud of a lot of the work that we've done in the, the Kanban board space, in our board space in general. And we, we, really, um, we really made a commitment in the early part of this calendar year to say we're going to go out and, and build some of the best boards in the industry and make sure that people can visualize their work and they have the freedom to customize things and, and you know, add color and, um, and really kind of see work in the way that they need to see work for their business needs. And uh, I'm really excited about how it's how it's turned out. It's fun to use. Um, I, like I said, it's very visual. It's it's not your your grandfather's work item tracking. You know, it doesn't feel like a form anymore. It's oh my gosh, like th that looks like a real Kanban board. And and the answer is it it is a real Kanban board. You know, and it's all driven by TFS work items. So I think when I think of the 2015 release, I think that's the part that for my space I'm sort of the most proud of and the most excited about. And uh, it's been fun to watch customers adopting it, using it, and really really telling us that it's helping them. Uh, change the way they run their business. So a little anecdote for you here. I was, um, I've, I've not told you this one before. I was, I've been uh, helping build um, a school uh, where where I live. And um, the part of the building the school, obviously I was tracking a bunch of tasks. And so obviously, you know, being a nerd, the thing I was using to track my tasks was the Kanban boards <laughs> in, in my VSO account, which is great because I can edit a lot more of the stuff in line now, which is awesome. So that's brilliant. Um, but then I was, one of the things that we built as part of the school was we had these new smart boards installed and it used to be the white. It used to be whiteboards with like pens was fancy, um, but nowadays it's basically a massive TV with a ten-point multi-touch display that plugs into the teacher's laptop. So I um, was doing some stuff with the contractors on site, and we were in one of the classrooms that was you know mostly built. We're just going through snagging, and then to do this, I I, I plugged into the laptop, brought up the Kanban board on the ten-point display, and started moving stuff around. And you should have seen them. It was like I'd shown them the future. <laughs> I love it. I love it. They just couldn't believe it. it on one of those, I say, once we get these smart hubs, no, the service hub or whatever it is, once you get a few of those in the office, it'd be unbelievable. That's the experience we want to see. So another question, Aaron, that again is off script. Sure. Um, 
we talked about Martin and I talked about last week our last show I think that you know some of the changes in Visual Studio 2015 um some of the windows have pretty much moved out of there and into basically redirecting users to the web interface. And this has been going on for a, a number of previous versions where you used to have the window in Visual Studio, but now in later versions, you just redirect to the website. That's that's continuing. That's going to basically putting the user interface in Visual Studio is, for lack of a better word, dead, and the web wins. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's quite that it's dead inside Visual Studio. I just think that, you know, when 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 TFS and, and Visual Studio got going, it was sort of the only option was you build it in your IDE. That's, you know, where you built it. Right. That's the product that we're shipping. And I think uh, we, you know, quite a few years ago really said that we're going to make a, a big investment in building a a, uh, a user experience that can be web-based and web-driven so that you can access it from anywhere, so there's no install. Um, and it can be a lot more approachable for sort of a non-technical user. So when I think about the work item space, uh, clearly we've got a great experience for work items inside Visual Studio. It's, it's rich, it's powerful. At the same time, you know, I, a lot of my customers are are not developers. They're, uh, they're folks that live in the PMO or they're a stakeholder of some sort. And they don't want to uh, install Visual Studio just to take a look at something on the backlog. You know, they want uh, a web-based experience. They want to be able to access that from home. And so there has been a push where uh, we're taking a hard look at what belongs inside Visual Studio and then what belongs in the web interface. And what I think the, the rationale that we're trying to follow there is that Visual Studio is an IDE for writing code. That's its first and primary use. And we want to make sure that that it's the best for that. And then we understand that just because you're writing code inside Visual Studio doesn't mean that that can be the only application open on your entire desktop. You know, if you go look at a modern developer today, they've got lots of browsers open, you know, they're on Stack Overflow, they're on GitHub, they're on different sites. They've got different tools open. So we've been taking a hard look at, you know, what makes sense inside Visual Studio What's, what's better there because uh, it's integrated into the code experience, it's integrated into a dev's daily workflow. And then what makes sense to, to sort of pull out of there and what makes sense to have in a web interface because um, it's easier to approach. Yeah, again, no install. You can access it from lots of different devices and things like that. So um, we're definitely on that sort of a train, but I don't think it's a it's a all experiences or all non-coding experiences are dead inside Visual Studio. I wouldn't say it that way. Okay. How, how do you think the... You know, as we've moved to the cloud, how do you think that's changed the way the product itself, the, 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 so ALM, you know, the ALM product and how we've gone, you know, actually features that we've developed and the things that we've focused on? Well, I think it's definitely influenced it. I think that, uh, and, and we even see this in some of our own telemetry when we look at, you know, how many people, for example, access work items from within Visual Studio versus the web, we see a pretty stark difference in an on-premises customer versus a Visual Studio Online customer. Mm. The, the, on Visual Studio Online, the, you know, it's like an 80-20 uh, people are opening work items in the web. If you flip that around and look at an on-premises customer, it's, it's not quite the, ob uh, the opposite. It's not that extreme, but it's definitely you know, more even. And you see a lot more Visual Studio uh, usage for, for doing things like that. So I think, um, I think our mindset has shifted because I think we oftentimes now think web first because of the presence of the service and uh, Visual Studio Online. And we want you to have a web first experience. We want you to be able to sign up, uh, get started, and really be efficient 
uh, with a web browser. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to jump over to Visual Studio to write code and do other things, <laughs> but I think it's shifted our mindset from, again, 10 years ago, it was Visual Studio first, and oh yeah, there's that thing called the web. Now it's definitely a web-first mentality, and then let's consider what makes sense to be back inside Visual Studio. Yeah, I'm thinking back that just in my mind, I remember when uh, Microsoft bought... Uh, Team Plane uh, is what you're thinking of, not Yes, exactly. And just remembering what that user interface looked like to you know VSO today, it's not even it's night and day on two different planets. It, it What's really interesting is. is a lot of the people who you know did the foundations for that actually you know the, the Team Plane team became the core of the foundations that built sort of modern web access and things. You know, obviously lots and lots of people piled on since then, but it it, was, it, it has been fascinating to see how much they you know came into the team and integrated really well. Yeah, I do something quite frequently where I, I just take screenshots of the product and I archive them. And I, it's really fun for me to look back, you know, a year, two years, and you go back three, four years and five years and you see how the product look uh, before. And it is sort of very eye-opening sometimes to think, wow, it's really changed a lot. And you can see the evolution and, and it makes sense why we've done a lot of those things. That's going to be my request for the 10-year anniversary, just like they did the whole 20-year anniversary for Windows 95. And they had all the pictures, everybody's putting up pictures of all the different versions of Windows since then. Uh, I, I, yeah, I want to see that for that 10-year yeah, anniversary. Yeah, yeah it would great. be great. I will, for sure. Yeah, pictures of TFS throughout the years. Well, what's really fun is when, and especially because, you know, I'm a PM, is when you can you can show the uh, the mock-ups that we had and said, look at what we started with. And then, oh my gosh, it actually happened, you know, and, and <laughs> see the see the changes and, and whatnot. It's it's really fun to see. I enjoyed doing that. We've been a couple, you know, we do a talk about, you know, explaining how we how we became agile and things. And I always use some of the, some of like my, we do these things called experience reviews, Greg, which if you go to visualstudio.com wax stories, I think probably you can learn all about it and see some fancy videos of Aaron talk about it. But um, uh, I would enjoy showing people an experience review of something to, and then like show them the sprint video of how it got delivered in the early days and then go on the production site and show it to them. And you can, when you go on the production site, you can see things from, a, you know, an experience review I did, which is probably, you know, explains how bad I was at experience reviews. But like from about a year and a half ago where like, you know, 20 percent of the stuff was was the dream, you know, still probably hasn't got implemented yet or, or, or got implemented in a completely different way because once we started doing it we found actually you know what it'd be easier if we did like this and you know people would use it better this way and things so yeah it, it is fascinating to see so we've only got about 10 minutes left um before aaron has to leave us um i want to cover make sure we cover a couple things we have our uh alm ranger shout out at the end but uh, uh real quickly what we, we, Mark and I talk about VSO a lot. What are the adoption numbers? Or, or are they in line with are, – are you guys happy with the uptake of VSO? Or, or do you wish more people were using it, less people using it? Oh, it's it, – uh, let's see. It's certainly not less people using it. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think we always want more people using it for sure. And I, I think we're – you know, we're happy with the adoption. I think we've got, um, there's still a long way to go. And I think what I talk about a lot is that there, the, the big next hurdle for us is getting a lot of big organizations, uh, what we call enterprises on VSO. And we have a set of work that we call like enterprise adoption blockers that need to be there before enterprises, um, will move. And, um, you know, we're certainly investing in, in certain places there. Like we don't have a great reporting story for Visual Studio Online right now. Yeah. And that's about to get a lot better. Uh, you're going to hear us making a lot more noise about that real soon. 
but um, you know that's been a, a blocker. And you know something that's near and dear to my heart is we have something that we call work item customization or process customization. And when you're an on-premises customer and doing that in TFS, you have like the keys to the castle. You can do whatever you want. And we haven't brought that to VSO yet because some architectural issues and and making sure that we um, make sure we can carry customers forward as we're updating the product. But right. we're starting to roll a bunch of that out. And I know that that's going to unblock even more adoption. So it'll be exciting when when those things uh, come to life. It, it has been fascinating it, to see, watch the curve of adoption. And you sort of see it curve up, you know, not exponential, but, but it, you know, increasing or accelerating all the time. And you kind of you kind of think, oh, I wonder when we're going to hit the hump. And it just doesn't seem to come. <laughs> you know, it doesn't seem to level out. It's like, oh, when are we going to hit that hump? It's quite it's quite fascinating. Yeah, no, it's it's continuing to grow and it, it's fun to watch it grow. And I think what's exciting for me is it grows across all sectors, too. You know, you mm-hmm. see you see students using it. You see uh, big organizations using it. And uh, it's fun. I mean, uh, just about everybody in the world is building software in some way, shape or form now. And, and they need great tools to do it. And uh, that's what we aim to be, you know, and hope to be is a, a great platform for them to build great software. So we talk about Microsoft dogfooding the stuff a lot. And we've talked about the numbers of Brian Harry's posts about sure. on-prem versus a VSO. Uh, what is it? Is, is Microsoft one of or the larger VSO enterprise users? Do you know? Or can you say? Yeah, I, I um, they are. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we have we have some very large customers that I can't talk about uh, using right. the product. But, you know, we're in a a transition here at the company where we're really overhauling our engineering system and Visual Studio Online is the backbone of that. And we're seeing all the big organizations uh, adopt VSO in different ways. Some are starting with work item tracking, some are starting with source control, uh, build services. And there's no doubt that we learn a lot and gain a lot of insight into running this company on our product uh, for sure. And it, it definitely makes up a, a big portion of um, you know the uh, the scale, if you will, um, when it when you think about sort of all up as a company, uh, there's a, a pretty big swath that it, that can be contributed to Microsoft. And, and it's enough that when we do analytics, we tend to do analytics, you know, f- with and without artificially skew, you know, needs for the comp- needs for the real people. Yeah, it's exactly right. We're always looking at you know, let's we we look at adoption and we say how much of that is internal. Okay, so there's a 10% of that was internal and then 90% of that was external. And we have to yeah, like Martin said, it's big enough that we've got to we've got to pay attention to it and make sure that it's not skewing our numbers and and, uh, and not becoming a vanity vanity metric for us. But equally, it's big enough that you've also got to listen to it because uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> well, these are these are the people you got to share the corridors with. So you don't want to you don't want to annoy them too much. Absolutely, and I say that's why I say that our I love everybody in t- inside this company that uses it because they help us make the product better. And when we can make them happy, if I know it can make them happy, I can make the world happy. You know, but it, <laughs> it starts with them. So yeah. So what's um, that you can tell us? You've already talked about. Well, I expect some more news on the reporting. Is, is there anything? Uh, let me rephrase that. Um, is there's a lot still coming? Right, you're not done now that 2015 is shipped. Uh, well, is actually, there... actually, Greg, we're done. Yeah, that was it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, put a bow so on you it. You want to know what I can leak, right? What can you tell I'm... me that's coming, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Well, let me tell you some. Er- I, I can certainly share um, about some things, and I'll, I'll tell you some places that we're making some big investments. Um, I talked about reporting, but I think I want to make that a little bit more concrete. You're going to see us make a lot of noise about something that we call dashboarding, which is essentially bringing lots of different pieces of ALM, toge- ALM data together into um, 100% uh, 
customizable canvases inside VSO. So if you think about today's project homepage as you get this little area where you can put some tiles and put some charts, think about having, you know, as many of those kind of dashboards as you want. You get customizability across the entire surface. And um, we've a whole new set of widgets and charts and whatnot that'll show up in there, as well as um, we're going to support extensibility there so that you can write your own. So that's a part of the product that I'm really excited about. We're going to start to make some noise about. I actually just posted a blog teasing some of that uh, this morning. And over the next few months, you'll see us start to unveil that and light it up. Um, and I, I don't know if you guys have talked about extensibility on the show recently, but clearly there's a huge investment that we're making in uh, extensibility from an API layer, making sure that all your data inside Visual Studio Online and TFS is accessible through REST endpoints, but then also UI extensibility. So we're letting people write extensions and UI extensions, and um, that's going to be a big part of the product um, going forward. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to see it mature uh, in the next few months. Cool. We should definitely, uh, yeah, we'll get Will on and the team to talk a bit more about the extensibility then as that starts to come out. Yeah, yeah Will should, you guys should definitely host Will for a show and, and have him uh, walk through that. I think it'd be great. Cool. Fantastic. Well, uh, hey, um, great. We, we're running up on the, it's been a good, a good show so far. Do you, I, I'm guessing there's some ALM ranger news, Greg, Greg, before we wrap up. There's at least one important piece. There's two important pieces. Actually, we talked about, um, extensions. The, uh, extensions. So, uh, Willie, t- just blogged uh, about a week ago about uh, publishing Visual Studio Online extensions within the preview because we're still currently in preview or it is still currently in preview. So it's got a nice little post in, in, in uh, willy formatting fashion uh, on how to do that and how to execute that. Uh, and and there is another extension, Visual Studio extension. I love my Visual Studio extensions. Uh, we talked about this, gosh, like a forever ago. And I think because we were talking about, you know, the extensibility and the new panes, maybe in 2013, maybe 2012 time. Uh, but the news extension, you know, if you are an ALM aficionado, did I pronounce that right? If you like ALM stuff, um, there is a new simple extension that you can add to Visual Studio. Uh, so right there within your development environment, because I know all of you live in Visual Studio, you know, with Outlook minimized to the side, but you know, Visual Studio is your interface to the world. Uh, this extension will give you all of the ALM news, the Visual Studio online updates, the service blog, the ALM Rangers blog, all there, all right and available. Fantastic. So, Aaron, before we go, is there any last thing that you'd like to to share with us or our listeners? Oh boy, um, I guess thanks for having me on. And you know, to anybody listening, if you've ever got feedback on the product, um, you know, feel free to reach out to me. My my Twitter handle is Aaron Bjork. It's just my full name, and uh, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you like in the product, and I'm all ears on what you don't like and what we can fix because that just helps me uh, groom that backlog that much more, and and hopefully prioritize the feedback. Cool. We'll put a link to your Twitter feed handle in the uh, in the show notes. Yep. And I, I, Aaron, thank you very much for being on. I really appreciate it. Yep. Yeah. Did you if, Did uh, you guys hear me there at the end? Did that come through? It just cut out a little bit, but that's fine. Yeah. Just, oh, okay. It, n- okay. Nobody will know. We'll fix it in post. There we go. <laughs> and then, yeah. uh, speaking of feedback, if anybody's got any feedback for the show, then do drop us a line, Radio TFS at Outlook.com or contact us on Twitter um, at Radio TFS. Or you can even drop us a voicemail on 425-233-8379. And I, is that it? Are we done? I think we're done. So thank you very much for your done. time. Thanks, Aaron, for coming. It was a, a pleasure speaking to you again. Yeah, no problem, guys. Sorry about that at the end. I, uh, I, I thought you guys, I, when I came back on, I thought you had sort of ended it or something. It, it uh, no, no, cut no. out or something. But. There we go. Well, this is all going to still be in the show, too. Yeah, so we'll speak again. to you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>
on Radio TFS. <laughs>